back to another episode of Between Us and Y'all. I'm Yasmin. I'm Nafis. And this is Between Us and Y'all, a podcast created for a safe space for mothers and their young adult sons to have safe conversations about healthy topics. We're grateful to be here today and to be um, sharing another topic with you, Nafis and I. Today we're going to be focusing on continuing the conversation on religion, and we'll go a little bit more into that shortly. But before we do, we want to take some time for, um, normally we like to advertise for a local business, but since um, many of our listeners are celebrating Eid, we want to take some time to um, dedicate this time to all of our listeners who are celebrating Eid al-Fitr. We want to wish you an Eid Mubarak and hope you have a great time with your family and friends. We hope that you are opening your gifts and that you are um, looking forward to more gifts to come. We are celebrating as well, so we're looking forward to celebrating with our um, community and, our, and each other. All right. So as we continue a conversation on religion, let's focus now on what expectation and reality really looks like as it relates to religious appearance. What do you believe is expected of you from me in regards to your religious appearance? Give me more like detail, or, like what? So um, maybe you think that I expect you to pray every day, or I expect you to cover your body a certain way, or to you know things um, that are related to that, or you know whatever you think. Um, I think that definitely. I think kind of like along the lines that you just said are some of the things that I, I feel like I'm religiously adherence to is you know adhering to to is what is what do you think i expect from you not what you're actually doing yet but what do you what do you think i expect you to be doing as far as religious adherence oh i think what i expect is what i expect yeah what you expect Mm -hmm. um me praying every day Mm -hmm. um like you said dressing uh appropriately what does appropriate dressing look like? Um, or what do you think that I expect that to look like? Maybe something that's not too revealing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> tight pants, I don't know. Uh, something that has uh, a bad image on it or uh, derogatory words or something on it something that just has a negative negative meaning okay so and what about the reality what is the reality of your religious appearance what does that look like uh basically i think can you put that into example like i mean you have you know what's expected of you and so then you can say what do you really do like what is your real religious appearance what does that look like for you every day as far as religion is concerned how is that a part of your daily life what is you ask me personally yeah you um like yeah i dress appropriately you know there's not a lot of stuff that i you know like i was saying i like i don't really wear maybe tight jeans or stuff that has bad images on it or stuff that has bad uh messages on it or I try to increase my prayer every day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think like the things that I've touched on, I'm starting to do more as I get older or make it more of a priority. Okay. What about you? So, 
you can reverse the question on me as far as um well i don't i don't what, have an expectation but. so you don't have any expectations of me as far as my religious adherence i guess i do but i don't what is i it? never see i never asked myself that question so <laughs> to be honest i really don't know okay well i can talk about what i assume you expect you know you i assume you expect me to you know, be aware of what or how I'm dressing, not to be too revealing when I go out and not, you know, similar to what you said, showing, you know, super tight clothes and, you know, dressing in a modest way. And also, I do, I do expect you to expect me to pray, you know, and whether I'm the person who's reminding our family to pray or, you know, whether I'm talking about prayer in a certain way, I, I expect that from you. And also, I expect, you know, um, you to have an expectation of me to always bring religion up in some way you know when we're out and having regular conversations sometimes you say i may change the conversation and make it you know spiritual when it wasn't you know and so i expect you to um have that expectation of me and for our listeners who didn't catch our conversation last time we were talking to the abdullah family um, for our first part of this conversation on religion and they were just talking about traditional versus non-traditional practice and the impact on everyday life. So we are continuing that conversation. You ready for our next question? The next question is, outside of our home, outside of our home, our expectations and reality may be totally different when we are adhering to religious practices. What is that? What is, what is expected of you from people outside of your home? What is, um, yeah. Okay, so outside of our house, um, I think people expect two different things. There's people who know us, you know, who expect us to do some things that are culturally, you know, relevant to what we do in the community, like, you know, showing up for Juma at the masjid or, you know, paying zakat, which is charity at the masjid, or, you know, coming to Eid prayer. We were talking about, you know, celebrating the end of Ramadan, which is Eid. People expect us to show up for that. I believe that people expect us to, you know, adhere to the five pillars of the religion of Islam, which is our religion that we practice. You know, they expect us to pray, to fast, you know, to give charity, to, um, you know, do all those things, you know, that we're supposed to do. And so I think that's one of the things. But then there's the people who don't know us and they don't know much about Islam. And so they have some negative expectations of us, you know, that they think maybe our involvement is going to involve something that has to do with a bomb or it's going to have to do with something negative when it comes to other people's religions because a lot of people don't know that you know islam is a religion that's accepting of, of, of many faiths you know and we know about many faiths too but oftentimes people don't expect us to um, know that so what, do you, what about you i think uh, i have the same answer Oh, with, with I'm agreeing to what you said. I definitely think in terms of um, maybe the expectation that people outside of the community may have is that maybe all Muslims speak fluent Arabic, mm-hmm. and that, you know we wear um, like garments such as like thobes or like Arab clothing mm-hmm, on like a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. And you know, for some people that might be true, but you know, for other people, you can still be Muslim and wear quote-unquote regular clothes whatever your regular clothes are mm-hmm. so but i definitely think in terms of the expectation that you said that the community has i think i could agree with that okay and then the next question is what is your religious reality outside of our home 
So my religious reality is um, it's similar to the expectation people have, you know, as far as the community is concerned that knows me. You know, I show up to any community events that I can, you know, especially for collective prayer. I um, do my best to be modest in the way that I dress, you know, and like you said, my regular clothing does not reflect Arab culture. It reflects African culture, you know, and also urban culture, black urban culture to be specific. So you might see me wearing something that, you know, you'll see another sister wearing who's, you know, whatever religion she is, but she just likes that particular style. So whatever is modest, you know, and, and comfortable is good for me. Also, I'm going to make sure that I am um, involved in local activism and bringing a voice to activism as it relates to the Muslim community and the Black Muslim community. Um, and also, I pray, you know, so I work. I take some time to, um, to make prayer, and I'm not one of those people who likes to put my prayer on display, so you're not going to find me in the parking lot at my job or in the break room, you know, with my huge prayer rug laid out, you know, and asking everybody to be quiet while I'm making prayer. You know, I'll pray near my car or even in my car, you know, or somewhere private because I like to focus my attention on the prayer. And oftentimes when I try to do, you know, prayer in a public place and I'm the only one there, it can be distracting. So I don't really choose to do that. Also, my reality as far as the religion is concerned is just, um, making sure that your friends are involved in any collective community stuff you know we have going on i try to make sure that they're invited if they'd like to come if they want to you know so that you can don't feel so you won't feel isolated you know what i mean in your religious practice as far as a young adult what about you outside of the house what does religious your religious reality look like um i think it gives us a cut you know i think that's him a big, a much bigger thing for me, like me and my friends. Okay. Like especially when we're at Juma, we definitely like to give back to the community that helps us, that help raise us. Okay. So in any way possible, um, definitely, like you said, praying, but not like just showing out and or fighting for everyone else. Mm-hmm. So, but because you know that is a very important and sacred thing to me. Mm-hmm. So definitely, not saying that I'm just. Oh, I'm gonna just pray when I get home. Or no, I like you know I'll just sit some time and I'll pray, and then I'll get back to whatever I was doing. Um, maybe in anything and everything that I do, always thinking of uh, if this is gonna be a sin or a deed, you know, or I mean, or do I get a blessing from it? And before you do something, mm-hmm, so being conscious of what I'm doing, and also. Um, always praying, always asking God for um, guidance, always asking God for faith, I mean, for courage to take on any task and just definitely keeping keeping my prayers, uh, just keeping those consistent. Okay. What do you, where do you get your examples of healthy ways to adhere to your religious practice from? So, it always starts with the family, so you, mm-hmm. um, and also my uncle, Imam Suleiman Hamid, um, just definitely um, always, whatever you do, you know, just thinking like, you know, God is always there and you have to be mindful of if, you know, like the, the same, like if you know your parents don't like you doing this, then you should do it. So, and, and a flip side, if you know this would be a sin, then why do it? 
So then just definitely always keeping that in mind and always, uh, I think in our household, just definitely always keeping your spirituality strong. I think that's been a heavy thing in our, in our, in our home. Just definitely because if your spirituality is not strong, then it could, um, that if that's not strong, then it can affect other things to not be strong. So, you know, whatever you have going on, but it definitely has an effect on every other thing that you do. So I think that's just been, been a thing that I always kept in mind is definitely always try to keep your spirituality good. And, you know, if it's not strong, good, at least to make it better than what it is. Okay. What about you? So my examples, um, like you said, it's interesting. You have similar answers. My example started home first, you know, so um, my parents were my first examples of, you know, religious adherence and, you know, how, how that looks in an everyday life. I was raised by both of my parents, you know, until my mother passed away and I was born and raised Muslim, you know, and so prayer was a normal part of our everyday life in our house. You know, we prayed all five daily prayers sometimes together and sometimes just a few of them, you know, but at some point we all knew that we were going to be looking forward to prayer, looking forward to, you know, those other pillars of the faith together, you know what I mean? Whether we were fasting in Ramadan or whether my dad was teaching us about how to put some money aside to pay Zakat, you know, which is charity. And um, also, you know, my mom was real big on volunteering, you know, so giving back your time to the Muslim community, you know what I mean? And that might be that I'm volunteering to clean up the masjid, you know what I mean? And so, um, or giving my time back and teaching a class, you know what I mean? And so all of those things have bled into who I am today, which allows me to be, you know, the parent I am to you in the house and show you those similar things in my own, you know, special way. And then also another example, I would have to, you know, take your example of Uncle Suleiman, my little brother, you know, um, a lot of people see him as a, as a religious leader out in the open. I get the chance to see him behind the scenes, you know, as my little brother and get to see, you know, the making of a lot of the things that he's planning or, you know, his insecurities or maybe something he's nervous about, you know, that a lot of people think that he is not nervous about. And I get to see how faith has helped him to be able to stand strong, you know, and come out, you know, in the front of every, all these people looking amazing while he does it. And his wife as well, Shahida, you know, my sister in love. She's an excellent example also that I look to as far as religious appearance because she is real cool and real chill and consistent, you know, which is something I aim to do, to be like, you know, I think that I'm like that in some ways, but I know that Shahida is like that in a lot of ways. You can pretty much count on what Shahida's mood is gonna be like which is something I can't really say for myself. My mood is kind of temperamental, you know what I mean? But she's pretty much, you know, consistently the same person and I would accredit that to not only who she is, but also, you know, her um, ways of trying to model her life based on the prophet, which is, he was very consistent, you know, in his behavior. You know, he became angry every now and then, you know but I mean? But for the most part, if people were to describe him, they could all describe him as very similar. One of the, you know, nicknames for him was El Amin, you know, the one you can trust. And so I think people could easily have a, a you know, a description like that of Shahida or Uncle Suleiman, Auntie Shahida or Uncle Suleiman, you know, with names like that. And so those are some of my examples. And also I took some examples from people who are not Muslim, 
and I won't take the time to name all of them, you know, but I do have some people who live a very righteous life and it's, you know, part of their everyday life. In reality, religious adherence looks different for everyone on a daily basis. What are some examples of ways you didn't expect your religious adherence to come up in everyday life? Um, oftentimes at work, you know, when I'm having to practice patience, you know, with inpatient coworkers, mm-hmm. you know, I may go into chanting in my mind, which we call bickering. You know, where I'm using that as a way to calm myself down and to say something that's honest as opposed to being disrespectful and rude. I didn't expect that to be a thing that I had to do so much, you know, but I have to do it a lot at work, you know, because I work with people who spirits are just, you know, all over the place and make it kind of rough, you know, towards me. Um, I have to practice religious adherence. One time that was a little bit um, surprising for me was when I had to write, you know, something, a reflection for work. And I didn't know, you know, how they really use my words. And so I started to think of different ways that I might say this particular thing to a community that wasn't, you know, I work, my religious community, and how would they receive that? And I started to think of how I would change my words and make them more meaningful and more even spiritual, because sometimes that's the thing that's needed at work. You know, people think that you can't talk about spirituality at work because it's going to make people feel some kind of way because you're trying to push your religion, but you can discuss it in a way where you're just acknowledging a higher power and acknowledging the fact that a higher power may be at play when you are needing to see it, you know, secure a deal or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing. And then also, you know, I remember when we were applying to school for you, I didn't expect to have to pray so much about the applications, you know, the applications and them coming in and scholarship money and all that kind of stuff. I didn't really expect that to be so much, but that's one of the things. What about you? I definitely say in terms of college, you know, because I go to HBCU, mm-hmm. I go to Alabama A&M, but the school there, a lot of people are Christian, so having to keep, you know, my faith in mind and trying to be strong and 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 just what I do and how I practice it and you know people going to church on Sundays and just trying to figure out what I could do to keep that consistent also been trying to find more Muslim friends on campus so we'll try to fast together or we'll try to you know do things that Muslims do and so we'll try to incorporate that in our day, daily lives definitely um Going back to school, you're just seeing people that are really, um, um, that are really into their their faith. Like you know, going to church so much that you're trying to uh, read more Quran or dhikr more, and just trying to pray. Pray. I, I do a lot of praying, so like I like to make um, prayers and tags a lot for a lot of things that can that I need help with or that I think I should need help with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I do that all the time. So definitely when you're talking about, you know, applying to school is definitely praying on that too, on, you know, what schools that I get into and what scholarships and et cetera. Okay. How has the influence and exposure to interfaith practice had an impact on your own religious appearance? And what do you mean? So when interfaith is, is where you're interacting with people of other faiths, when you were talking about people at your school, for instance, that are going to church on Sunday, 
I know that, you know, in our family, we have friends and we have, you know, even family members who don't practice the same faith. And we interact with them, but when they're teaching us something about their faith, that's considered interfaith because we're both sharing something about our particular faiths. How has the exposure to that, you know, those other faiths and those people who practice them had an impact on what you do as far as your religious experience? I think it's impacting me big, especially, for example, um, I had traveled to Malaysia maybe a couple years ago, and we had visited a Buddhist temple. And with that, they were telling us, you know, all the stuff that goes in and like liquoring and stuff like that. So, they have chanting. Mm-hmm. so it was, I was finding a lot of similarities, but also finding ways of how to not, I don't say incorporate, but um, do things that, you know, because there might be some things that people don't agree with in, in the faith, in any faith that people do. But I don't, I feel like you should try to put your own, uh, you should put it into a way that you can understand it. So I think that's been a way that I've been trying to do is not to be like, oh, I'm going to take this and take this from this religion and, you know, force it together to, to work for me. It's more so I'm going to incorporate, for example, meditating. You know, a lot of uh, Buddhists and Hindu, Hindus do a lot of meditating. And what way can I uh, incorporate that into my faith? So, you know, meditating and also dickering. And maybe after that, Ending that, that off with maybe just uh, some prayer, like actual, like, you know, make it two workouts, which is, you know, extra. extra. Mm-hmm. So definitely just trying to, you know, incorporate that because I definitely think a lot of religions do have similarities and they kind of do, um, they have a lot of similarities and definitely is, I don't want to shy away from it because, you know, there's there could be some ways that the other religion does something and it can really benefit you. Mm-hmm. So there shouldn't be a, a reason why you shy away from it if it's working for you. Okay. And I feel like people, people sometimes people shy away from it because it's like, oh, well, I'm in this religion and I can't do that because if, if I'm practicing another religion, then that might be, yeah, I'm breaking the rules or that might be considered a sin or something. Mm-hmm. What do you think? So, um, Similar to what you said, I've tried to be very intentional about educating myself about my religion first and understanding it, you know, to the fullest extent. And also then, you know, educating myself about other faith practices, because that's where you can really understand the similarities and differences, you know what I mean? And when you're able to understand them, it makes it easier to interact, you know? And so growing up, we were, my parents always exposed us to people of other faiths. You know, and people of other faiths were in our family. You know, I have Christian, you know, ministers and pastors and elders and um, people in my family, you know, that practice other faiths. And we grew up understanding what that looked like for them so that we could respect it and include them, you know, in our family gatherings. So that's that was the first part, you know, um, for me that I felt was has always been beneficial. And one thing that I've tried to to do the same thing with you because I saw the benefit in it, you know, growing up. And then also, um, very similar to what you said, when I'm ed- I've educated myself about those other faith practices and I see something that I find a benefit, I first try to find the similarity that it has with my own faith practice. So I'm not, you know, overlooking a particular thing in my faith practice, but then I try to see ways that I can mesh the two. For example, I know in, um, 
the religion, um, religious practice of Ifa, which is a African traditional religious faith practice. That's a, a lot, you know, a mouthful. But basically, I um, I learned that they have a belief that there are certain deities, you know, that are responsible for certain things. Like somebody's responsible for wind, you know, one deity is responsible for the water, and you know, all types of things like that. I started to learn that there's very similar things in Islam. There's an angel that's responsible for the wind or the rain or something like that. But at the end of the day, it's all of those deities and those angels are answering to a higher power. That's God. And maybe God is called a different name, you know, in those particular, each faith practice. But at the same time, it's very similar in the understanding. So I try to understand, you know, what are those deities? What are they responsible for? And what are they, you know, why are they highlighted, you know, as, as opposed to not being highlighted? And how's that similar to the same practice in Islam? And how can I use those, you know, whatever their purpose is to be of some benefit to my daily life? That's one of the things. And then also I try to make sure that I expose you and myself to what religious adherence looks like for other people in their daily lives. So that I can understand, you know, my friends or the people that I work with or even just the world, you know. So sometimes when I'm watching, you know, um, some type of performance that is supposed to be politically related and I know that it's a religious, you know, <laughs> adherence that's really happening, I can understand that some political, you know, person is really incorporating religion in their political campaign. And the people might not know about that because they don't understand the faith practice. You know what I mean? That's one thing. And then also just understanding how to celebrate other people. You know what I mean? I have, you know, Christian family members and I would like to understand how to, you know, celebrate the holidays and how to support them in that, how to support them in grieving, you know, because everybody's grief process doesn't look the same when it comes to a funeral, for instance. You know, my faith practice might be different than somebody else's who is not Muslim, you know, when it comes to grieving the loss of a loved one. So I just try to educate myself as much as possible. Are there any uh, interfaith practices that- Intrafaith? Intrafaith practices that took a long time for you to really understand, please. Appreciate them. All right, so when we say intrafaith, we're talking about stuff that's happening within our faith. That's not somebody else's faith. When you're not interacting with someone else, intrafaith is within your own faith. So for me, um, some interfaith practices that took a, a little bit of a long time for me to understand were specifically with the Sufi community. And that was like um, Sufi Muslims uh, have some practices that are a little different than what I grew up as a Sunni Muslim, you know, Orthodox Muslim. I didn't understand why they were doing it. And one of them was um, sometimes they might write a prayer down with with ink that dissolves in water and they put it in water and then they um, drink the water and they believe, some people believe that that is gonna, you know, have an effect on them spiritually. Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand that at first, you know what I mean? But talking to my friends who are, you know, Sufis, I started to understand that. And also I didn't, I didn't quite understand the power of how they, um, how they do vicar is a little bit different than how, you know, Sony Muslims do it. They're, they're very intentional about when they dicker, what time of day, you know what I mean? And what type of particular things that they're saying, you know, and how often they're saying it. And they and a lot of my friends believe that there's, there's power behind, you know, those particular things. I didn't grow up doing that, so I didn't really understand it at first. 
And actually, I even had friends who would say that that was forbidden, you know what I mean, to do something like that. But when I really started to understand what they were saying, I started to understand the power of chanting and the power of, you know, of affirmations, really, that they were saying, you know, and, and I appreciate it. So those were two of the things I didn't really understand at first. What about you? I think one that I've, I think I've understood more is probably fasting. Mm-hmm. I think when I was much younger, I didn't really understand under, understand the full effects of what fasting can do. And then when I really sat down and thought about what you're fasting from mm-hmm. and uh, to really uh, detach yourself from, you know, the usual things that you might do or and to be patient and to be um, very conscious of what you're eating and, and what you're saying. I think definitely it's, I've understood it more as I've gotten older and tried to be more serious about lockdown and fasting and what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. So that took that took a long time for me to understand. Also, maybe um, I think it also has to do with Ramadan with praying. Um, Tarwi. Tarwi. I think at first which is home. a long prayer for all of our listeners. That's a long prayer that you pray at night. It could be you know up to any odd numbers, but the the um what do you call it? I don't want to say rotations, but you know, the sets of prayers that you say, it could be up to 11 sets. And it can go all the way up to maybe 21, but it's a lot. And definitely for me, at first when I was younger, it was, I didn't want to do it because it was, you know, your legs are getting tired or, you know, you're just- Standing in prayer for hours. But as I got older, just definitely trying to receive all the blessings and realizing, you know, we're going through the whole Quran Mm. during Ramadan and how that is a benefit and how much blessing blessings you're getting just for that you know mm. just for that situation or not situation but just that act mm. you know so definitely I've started to I've been being able to appreciate that much more as I've gotten older yeah I like that um, it's been hard you know missing being at the masjid and being with the community because of COVID-19 you know and the coronavirus well, this is the same thing, COVID-19 or the coronavirus, however you want to say it. It's been difficult, you know, being at home and not being with the community and um, being in Tarawi. You know what I mean? As a parent, I love to see you up there with your little legs, you know, trying to stand, you know, trying to hang, you know, with the older brothers because that's a part of community life and it makes you have memories of what your community does together. You know what I mean? And there's so many, you know, benefits in that particular prayer. Some people say that the angels descend and they just come down to see who's praying and what are they asking for. I know I want to be amongst the people in groups asking for stuff so that, you know, my stuff can get out, you know, answered. Even though I believe your, your prayers are answered at any time. It's just a beautiful thought. And when you were talking about fasting and the importance of it that you, you know, learned as you've gotten older, it made me think about this post that um, David Banner actually put up the other day where he said, anything that you're not able to fast from, you're a slave to, you know? And when I started, um, when I read that post, I was like, wow, you know, this is major because it relates to the whole purpose of of fasting in in Islam, that you are trying to control your urges. You're trying to control, you know, uh, have some type of self-control over overeating and, you know, cursing or anything that you're doing in an excessive way. So that you become the master of that and you're not a slave to any of it. I'm glad that you are, you know, learning more about it as you're getting older and not, you know, feeling so restricted. For listeners, my son started fasting when he was about five. 
you know, I started fasting at the same age, actually. And um, we both started with half a days, you know, and now he's been fasting, you know, his, for the remainder of his life so far and not having any problems. So I'm grateful that you haven't had an issue and that you're doing it at all. Cause some young people are like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So that's cool. So do you face any challenges with your religious adherence preferences among your friends? Yes, I like? definitely say again fasting because mm-hmm. uh, fasting is a is a challenge. It definitely, it's a challenge because um, I don't want to say a good majority, but most of most of my friends are not Muslim, mm-hmm. and so definitely during the times of Ramadan, like we want to do a lot of you know hanging out that requires us being outside or doing something that requires a lot of energy. So mm-hmm. having to you know take in mind that I am trying to also hang with my friends while also taking into consideration that I don't have a lot of the energy, uh, a lot of energy, <laughs> right, of the same energy that they don't, you know, that they have, but I have to be mindful of what I can do and realizing that, you know, if I keep doing this, then there might be a possibility of me, uh, you know, not feeling good or being sick or something like that. So you overexerted yourself. Mm-hmm. Also, I definitely say a praying, like I, well, I think my friends now have been more accepting of it and been one to do it also because i i have pres- nice friends <laughs> i i like to present the idea like you know for example a lot of my close best friends we i might invite them to the masjid so it's like hey if you want to hang out you know i want to hang out with you but i still got to go to the masjid so we gotta go there first <laughs> mm-hmm, so we gotta you know we gotta go to Juma. and like it's it's funny because sometimes a lot like one of my close friends tomorrow we always joke around because He's been to the master a couple times and we'll just talk about and he'll just like man like i'll be sitting there and he's just and i'm just listening and he's just talking about god and just different ways of <laughs> talking about god and i'm just sitting there just listening and we'll joke about that but i'm also realizing that he's taking it in and i'm just there just okay i'm just here and i'm gonna leave it's also that he's listening and you know trying to put it into the way that he how he sees things or how he does stuff and what he can do to maybe do something different. So I definitely try to expose my friends to the stuff that I got going on to religious things. What about you? So my challenges um, are, it's interesting because when you were younger as a parent, I used to have a challenge of trying to expose you to other people and other practices, you know, religious practices, but also surround you with friends who were practicing the same religion as you you know what I mean so it started to become a challenge at some point because you're like wait a minute that person doesn't believe the same thing I do you know and sometimes it could I thought that it might confuse you you know what I mean so I just tried to be intentional about my explanation about what was going on and what they had going on and just hope that you would gravitate towards what was best for you you know what I mean and it looks like you know Islam has been that choice which is what I'm happy with but I mean if you had decided you weren't going to be Muslim anymore. I, I didn't, you know, I was worried about how was I going to prepare myself for that? And luckily I haven't had to, you know what I mean? So I did make sure that your friends were involved and invited to anything that we did so that they could understand, like I said earlier, that they were always welcome. And, you know, whatever we were doing is not something that would exclude them. You know what I mean? As far as me, me now, some of the challenges I face it's interesting that you said prayer because amongst my Muslim friends, oftentimes I'm the only one who's stopping to make salat, you know, to make prayer. And they're like, how do you go from listening to trap music and then we were hanging out and then eating and, you know, chilling at this 
event and now you want to make salad in your car like how do you how are you doing that which is in my mind they're saying to me you can't do both like you can't be a person who hangs out and listens to music and does what they consider secular you know normal behavior and also be a person who actually stops to pray and then comes back to it I don't agree with that at all you know what I mean so I'm just consistent with it but it does become challenging at times to have them like looking at me sideways because they think that I'm kind of lame because I'm stopping to make prayer you know what I mean or another challenge that I face might be um again at work um, um, a practicing Muslim amongst a group of Christians, you know, and people who, you know, may not have any faith practice at all. And so when I say, you know, um, they're asking about our schedule, you know what I mean? And I'm saying, you know, I don't work on Fridays anymore. And everybody's like, why? What's going on on Fridays? And I'm like, that's the day I, you know, prepare for me. You know, your day is Sunday for Muslims is Friday. They're looking at me crazy. Like, you know, that's not really important. Whereas they don't have to take a day off work because Sunday is normally a day off, you know, so it can become a challenge to try to, you know, weigh my options to say, should I really push for this, you know, so that I can be off work or should I just, you know, figure out a way to have prayer to myself afterwards, you know, and so instead of just giving up, I push for it. What what advice would you offer to our listeners of, for young adults who struggle with with starting a conversation with their parents about this topic. Okay, so this topic can be touchy, you know. We don't assume that all of our listeners have families that are all practicing the same religion in in one household, you know. That's just our our situation. So um, one of the things that I would say is the first thing is to just start a conversation and ask, you know, what do you think about religion, you know? And what do you think about spirituality? Because some people think those are two different things. Well, some people say they are two different things. They're not exactly the same thing. So I would say just opening a conversation about what is religion, you know, and what is spirituality, and what does that look like for you on a day-to-day basis, you know, and also asking how has it been for you, you know, growing up in this family, you know, adhering to religion in the way that, you know, I've modeled as a parent. What has that been like for you? You know what I mean? And just be very open and, and accepting of whatever their answers are. Because some of the answers might not make you feel good as a parent. Because somebody right. might say, this religion has sucked. I don't believe anything you've taught us. You know, this is the worst religion ever. You know, some people don't want to hear that. They don't want to look at their child as being somebody who leaves a faith or doesn't love it the same way that they do. So I would say be open and be prepared, you know, for their answers. And also I would say um, think outside of the box about ways to incorporate religious adherence into your daily life. It doesn't have to be something that's stoic and, you know, quiet, you just, you know, solemn and sitting there, you know, sad in prayer. It could be something that's something very happy and joyful. So I would say think outside of the box on ways to incorporate that. How about you? Um, definitely before you have have the conversation, we'll always come on an open mind and always come what conversation about religion. Mm-hmm. Any conversation about religion, because yes, it is a very sensitive topic um, and always come uh, with curiosity and always not um, don't come from a point where this person is trying to bash me for what I'm saying judgment. or judgment because definitely when you're coming from a place of, of judgment then there's uh, a lot of misunderstanding that can happen mm-hmm. and a lot of um, well 
since you said this, I'm thinking that, you know, for example, if someone was to say, uh, I'm thinking about changing my religion, it could, could be taken as, oh, you don't like what, how I raise you in terms mm. of you doing this religion. So making assumptions. Mm-hmm, making assumptions and definitely just, uh, in terms of religion, definitely explain, like, um, or try to explain where, you know, where the problems that you might be having in terms of, you know, or you, where you're not really understanding uh, maybe some parts of the religion so you can really get down to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. But I think you should do that with yourself first before you invite that conversation because sometimes we, when we have these conversations, we don't know what we really don't understand. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if you don't understand, then how you think that, you know... How can you explain it to someone else? Mm-hmm. So I'd also say don't make it a conversation that uh, make. I mean, try to make it a comfortable conversation because it's not an uncomfortable conversation. To some people, I definitely think you should try to make it to a point where you know how you see spirituality or religious or religion are definitely a conversation because you know people's minds about religion and faith practices do change sometimes frequently. Something open to change mm-hmm. and just always provide solutions so definitely you know do your research and also try to go maybe visit a place or that a religious place 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 so you can actually see it firsthand Mm -hmm. because you can do research but seeing it firsthand you can actually and feeling it and smelling it Mm -hmm. you can actually get a much different experience for it Mm -hmm. so you can actually understand okay is this really what i want to do or this is this what really well what i want to practice or you know putting my faith in my courage and you know and into it so I definitely think you should do that first before you maybe have that conversation okay well I have really enjoyed this conversation this has been a nice follow-up to our first part you know on religion I've learned a lot I'm glad that you are so open you know with having a conversation about this particular topic because a lot of young people are not thinking about religion at all you know and they're not you know, interested in it in this particular way, but because we are, you know, I'm grateful that we're, we've had a conversation about it. I hope that our listeners have appreciated our discussion, and I hope that you've learned something. And if you have something to share with us that we didn't t- um, touch on, feel free to share in the comment section, you know, or reach out to us um, to let us know, you know, what particular part of this conversation you would like us to engage with you on. We're always interested in um, welcoming that particular communication. We want to again say Eid Mubarak to our listeners. We hope that your Eid um, season has been great and your celebration is enjoy- enjoyable. This has been another episode of Between Us and Y'all. We always want to part with our encouraging words of encouraging you to work hard, to pray hard, love hard, and spend some time playing hard together. Thank you guys for being here. Peace.